We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the NBA front office show. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me over on X at Trevor underscore Lane. Joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. Got plenty to dive into today. Still counting down till the regular season starts up. Actually, till preseason starts up. We're just a few weeks away. Training camp, media day, all that is coming, which is a good time to remind everybody that if you haven't done so already, make sure you do subscribe right here to the NBA front office show on youtube also if you're watching on youtube right now hit that like button for us help get this video out to as many people as possible and of course follow us over on apple podcast spotify wherever you listen to podcasts to take us with you wherever you go you can listen to the audio version you're out mowing the lawn you go to the gym you're driving somewhere listen to the front office show on the go over on the podcast side keith how are you doing are you i feel like my excitement level is growing day by day as we get closer and closer to all of this really getting started. Yeah, I mean, two weeks from today, everybody will be opening up training camp mm-hmm. uh, on the, I think it's the third or well, whatever it is. I know it's two weeks from today as we record <clears throat> on this. So that's uh, what let me, probably should have been a little better prepared. Yeah, the third, because yep. the second is media day for most. Media day is the second for a lot of teams. Yeah. Yeah. Dallas and Minnesota kick off a few days earlier because they're going overseas for the preseason, but everybody else, media day, the second, training camp opens on the third, and off we go. And yeah, man, I'm super excited. And we're starting to see. You know, those over the last couple of weeks, those last couple of like hanging out there, free agents were like, get mm-hmm. this done. Let's uh, find spots, whether it be PJ Washington, resigning with the Hornets, Christian Wood to the Lakers, and then one we're going to talk about in a little bit here uh, with Kelly Oubre. And then the uh, other thing that's happening is we're starting to get the fun, you know, I worked on this over the summer stuff already. <laughs> yeah. Some guys are giving interviews. Plus, we're getting some guys that have been maybe holding back on some things, starting to speak up about some stuff a little bit. So we're going to get into all that today. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. It's we're, we're almost there. We're, we're almost there. And for everybody who's going to reply with uh, who cares football's on, well, we care. This is a basketball show. This is what we love. So, so we care, right? And if, if you're watching, I'm going to guess you care too. <laughs> right. Right. Unless people jumped in just to, to comment with that, but look, football is <laughs> great. I, I love yeah. watching football, yeah. football as well. But, um, yeah, I, I, I love this time of year for sports in general. I mean, we're getting the NBA coming back. We've got uh, football going on, which, again, I love. We've got uh, the MLS season is heating up. I know a lot of people don't watch soccer that much, but I'll throw on a game every, every now and then. Yeah. We've also got, of course, we've got baseball. that We're getting into the playoffs now, getting there. A lot of exciting stuff 
going on around the sports world right now. So basketball, certainly a big part of that. Um, I guess, Keith, let's start with this. And this is a drop that we haven't done in a while. But I think it might have even been our original drop. May have been the first one we did. It's that one that drives everybody crazy when they're in their cars. Because we got to talk about Ben Simmons. Our old friend, the Simmons Siren, is back. Just so everybody knows, that's just a YouTube video that's a one-hour-long siren. Who made that, and what was the point? Why does like, that exist? I, yeah. Well, we, do we need this in the world? Who, hey, like, I'm, I'm just going to play it next time on one of those long car rides. I'm going to, I'm just going to play it. That's all I'm going to play. I'm just going to listen to that. Next time your wife or daughter falls asleep in the car, you need to put that on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's when you do it. <laughs> we um, um, Just funny enough. We had a long car ride. We'll do a little unscheduled nonsense here. And we, um, We were, you know, we were on a major highway, uh, 10, which is cuts across the entire southern part of the United States. And one of the trucks that we we passed on the backside of the trailer was painted. So it looked like the front of the truck. And it was like very cartoony, but it looked like a front mm-hmm. of a truck. And then like you two guys sitting in the cab were like, ah. So like I was like, oh, that'd be funny if like someone was drifting off. You pull up to it and then like, oh, no. And then like they wake <laughs> up and see that. So I, I thought that was kind of humorous to see. So uh, that, yeah. I, that's pretty creative. I haven't seen yeah. that before. It, creative. It could be a little bit mean, but yeah, <laughs> it's some scary sure. people. But but uh, but creative nonetheless. It's uh, along the lines of, of painting the tunnel, the Acme tunnel, and the side. Yes. You know, the Wiley Coyote and the and the Roadrunner and all that. Painting the tunnel on the side, and you know, it scares you when you ultimately see it. Um, oh, all right. At, One other thing, since we're into nonsense. Yeah. The bear was not in the magic kingdom proper it was outside just outside of of like was in the the territory area of it and was up in a tree it was um there was all these reports it was in a cave on tom sawyer's island and all this other stuff because people have to go bananas with these things but it was found in a tree um like outside of the train tracks where the train runs around the entire park um and they did come they, they come and got it and it relocated the bear so so there there we are with that and then uh everything's back to normal and uh oh. magic Kingdom. okay so so a positive ending to that yes. disney bear story yes. <laughs> makes it more bearable um okay so really believe it are we ready to be hurt again keith ben simmons I am. i'm sorry he's saying are you you're you're on board yeah, ben Simmons, he's saying he's saying everything that you want to hear talking you know reports about okay now he's like 18 months removed from uh from his injuries and all that. So now this is when physically you should see him getting back to form and he's saying all the right stuff and and all of that do we believe do we believe that that ben simmons really could be back and be anywhere close to his old self i believe that he believes it uh and i think yeah. that's maybe the most important part so far um, is that he believes it and is locked in. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know where to take this whole thing with him. I, I, I want to see him back on the court. I want to see him playing well. I think that Nets team gets really interesting. If you have Ben Simmons out there, we, we talked about it a little bit uh, before uh, vacation Simmons bridges and Nick Claxton. That's what a defense you're putting together with those three guys. And 
there's going to be all the issues. Is he going to shoot, you know, all that stuff that comes along with it? Cause that I don't believe will ever be a thing. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever going to shoot. I did think it was funny in this long interview he did, which I think was with like yes network or Fox or somebody um, that, that he did this with that broadcast, the Nats. Uh, one of the things that he said was I'm a point guard and my conversations with Jacques Vaughn says that's going to be my role with the team. And then he even referenced people keep trying to make me a power forward and, and I'm not, I'm a point guard. So, all right, we'll see, you know, that, that, that part lessens my enthusiasm a little bit. Mm-hmm. If he's insistent, he needs to be the primary on ball guy, but yeah, I, I want to believe in it because he was a really good fun player when he was healthy and you know, locked in and motivated. And hopefully we can get back to that guy. Yeah, I'm trying to stay optimistic on it, but of course we've been burned so many times in the past by by Ben Simmons. But again, the the rumors being that it was going to take him a full 18 months to recover, and now okay, here we are. So maybe health wise, he's better there. But he also said, you know, he talked about not making. I never have excuses. I never tried to say anything about different things going on, but I was dealing with an injury at the time, so I did what I could in the moment, and I owe it to everybody, the fans, and everybody to get back to where I need to be. That's what I did this summer to get back. Now, of course, 76ers fans probably rolling their eyes at, at all of that. But <laughs> but nonetheless, I want to hear that, hey, I did the work. I owe something to everybody. I feel like I needed to put in uh, to just do the work, to buckle down, not make any excuses, and get back to where I need to be. And that's what I did. Of course, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what he's saying right now. He has to prove it on the floor. Because we've heard this kind of stuff you know, before. Can he do it out on the floor? That's ultimately what's going to matter. But nonetheless, this is still better than some other comments he could he could have made, right? This is still what you want to hear, but what ultimately has to happen is he has to show us on the floor. Until then, I think I'm going to try to protect myself a little bit, Keith. I'm not going to give my full heart here <laughs> because uh, I've, been, I've been hurt too many times. I've got to be a little bit reserved, but uh, I'm cautious, very cautiously optimistic. Yeah, see, I've realized I can buy myself flowers. I can write my own name in the sand. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if you know that song or not from Miley Cyrus, but I do not. uh, Yeah, your your daughter's a bit young. Mine's right in the right in the prime uh, age group there where hits one is all we listen to in the car uh, (laughs) when she doesn't have headphones in, um, which is most of the time. But yeah, I uh, I'm ready to you know. Get, get in there but yeah i'm with you prove it on the court mm-hmm. that's when people will really care and it can't be proved on the court for a week it's gonna have to be you know we're gonna need to see a good you know large big sample size of a season out of him before anybody's yeah. gonna be locked in i'm starting to wonder if ben simmons is also looking at it a little bit and saying all right i only got this year next on this contract the max mm-hmm. deal i signed with the sixers my uh you know max rookie extension I got to get this stuff figured out because, you know, if I don't, it's, you know, I don't know what my next contract will look like. And he doesn't want to go from a max to a minimum. And for a little while there, that's where it was trending. I don't think he'd end up there probably more of like a mid-level type guy or something. But if he can come back over the next two seasons and look really, really good, Mm -hmm. then we're talking all sorts of different opportunities for contracts and things like that. So let's see, you know, we're going to start finding out. It was a little, Interesting, I thought too. You referenced it. They said November is when he'll be, you know, 100% fully ready to go. And we did hear in 
you know, our, our pre-vacation report that we talked about. They said he was he was only just starting to on two work and those kinds of things. So that does lean towards maybe he doesn't play right out of the gate and it may be a you know, couple weeks into the season before mm-hmm. we see him at all or, or he's going to be limited. But yeah, if he gets in there in November and he can go the whole rest of the way or most of the rest of the way, that's going to go a long way towards proving you know, he's back to what he was. I really hope he does. I really hope he does. Like I, I, I'm skeptical because of the past and everything, but man, I want to see it. I want to see him back to, to 100% or close to it anyway, because he was really an exciting, exciting young talent. Um, one of the moves that went down, Kelly Oubre Jr. to the 76ers. We talked about this. Some of the guys that were still kind of out there, P.J. Washington mentioned Christian Wood, Kelly Oubre Jr. being the other one, lands with the 76ers. Interesting to me, he gets a one-year uh, minimum deal here. For, for Kelly Oubre. Interesting to me, though, that he didn't get the now customary second-year player option, which these, <laughs> yeah. these guys that are like the market dries up for them, but they're probably a little better than a veteran minimum player would be, right? They get these deals where it's a one-year veteran minimum with a second-year player option for, this, for the next year. Obviously, they're most likely not going to pick that up, but it's just kind of like a little bit added insurance. Hey, you tear your knee up or something like that, you still have three million bucks coming next year to you that we'll that we'll pay you and we'll give you that because we know you're a little bit better than this and just the market was not great for you this year. Um Kelly Oubre Jr. didn't even get that. I, I know part of that is the 76ers. They're they're so dead set on having that future cap space for next summer. But it's interesting that the 76ers were able to get that get that done. Again, may not really mean all that much, but they got Kelly Oubre Jr. without having to even put in that second year player option that we're seeing uh so often lately. Yeah, and I think for Philly, right, that's obviously we're not putting any money on next year's books that we don't need to. So it was probably a little bit of a take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Kelly Oubre Jr. reportedly there was a lot of stuff out there that uh, he was maybe looking at Miami. And I, I had even said mm-hmm. on this show that him and Christian Wood were kind of waiting and see until it was, all right, now we're too close. Like I want to lock something in. And much like with Christian Wood, I think with Kelly Oubre Jr., I can have a role here, right? I can actually play with this team and I'm not still going to be sitting here waiting when training camp starts and all that stuff. Let me ask you a question. Hopefully you haven't looked this up yet. Do you know how many, what he averaged points per game last year? Oh, it was like 20 something, wasn't it? Yeah. 2023. Okay. I knew it was right right around there, but but the Hornets were also very hurt. Agreed. So he was able to, to, you know, yeah, fire 17 away. shots per game. He, yeah, you know, not the most efficient, he only shot 43%, 32% from three. Uh, did take seven threes per game. Uh, not exactly what you want no. for a 32% three point shooter, but a lot of difficult looks too because of where the Hornets are at. Uh, did only play in 48 games, I believe it was, if I've got that right. Yeah, 48 games, missed a large chunk of the middle of the season uh, with an injury, and then he came back, and then was he was hurt slash shut down at the end of the season when the Hornets were like, hey, guess what? We're playing all these uh, guys we called up from the G League and all these other things because we're trying to really make sure we get that draft pick. And we're pretty good. They got the second uh, pick in the draft, so you can't really uh, argue with that approach too much in retrospect. But 20 points per game, like, it's just how the league has changed, right? A 20-point-per-game free agent sat out there until the end of September, 
you know, till two weeks ahead of training camp before getting signed. Like that right. never would have been a thing before. And it's just how teams are very much, they evaluate things very differently and pure scoring ability, which I would say is probably Kelly Oubre's single biggest strength. It's not valued the way it once was. And I would also say now fit with the Sixers. This could be really huge for them. If you look at that roster, depth is not great. And depth on the wing is really not great. I mean, you're talking about he's competing with Daniel House and Furkan Korkmaz for minutes on the wing behind uh, Tobias Harris and whoever starts at the Mm -hmm. two uh, for this team or I guess the other guard spot that isn't Tyrese Maxey. So it's not like he's, you know, uh, know, all-stars lined up in front of him. You know, they, they, they can use Kelly Uber Jr. And I think I think he'll do well. I think Nick Nurse will find a way to basically say, hey, go in there and just do your thing, score the ball. And if it's not working, you probably won't play very much. And if it is, great, you might be able to lift us to a win or two. Well, the, that uh, availability of minutes or opportunity is exactly why a guy like Kelly Ubre is going to pick the 76ers because yep. this season he's going to value himself at more than a minimum deal. If he wants to get off that minimum deal, he's got to have a strong season. The only way he can do that is by going to some place that will give him a chance to play, give him an opportunity to really get into the rotation. Cause a lot of teams you sign for a veteran minimum. It's uh, you you might be behind three or four other guys or something like that at your position. It can get a little bit tough when the organization doesn't have a lot financially invested in you. So you got to make sure that you go someplace where you'll have the opportunity to at least in, in Kelly Oubre Jr.'s case, shoot his way off of a minimum contract for this next season. So I think that opportunity will exist here with the 76ers, and um, we'll see what, how this ultimately works out. Can can he transition from being a high-volume scorer into, I don't want to say hyper-efficient, like he's never going to be hyper-efficient, but just pull back a little bit, the reins a little bit on the trigger-happy ways and fit into the 76ers system while still being effective as a scorer, that's going to be critical for what his next contract could look like. Yeah, and I think for him getting better looks, playing off other better players is going to be big too. I I don't know, but I'd have to really get into it. And Obviously, last year's stats are going to be super messy because they didn't play very much together because LaMelo Ball got hurt fairly early on. But you know, what did it look like two years ago when he played with LaMelo Ball? I know his numbers were they were okay, 44% from the field, 35% from three, again, seven attempts per game. Mm-hmm. That's really not too bad. You know, you, I feel a lot better about what that looks like. His numbers were, again, okay-ish with Golden State. The one year he spent there, the, the season and a half, he was with Phoenix. They, they were okay. You know, he's just, yeah, you're right. He's never going to be you know, this super hyper efficient score where it's like build your entire offense around his skills. But for a guy to play 25 minutes a night off the bench for pretty good, I kind of see it similar ish to with less playmaking, maybe more rebounding to what Karis Levert's role is probably going to be with Cleveland mm-hmm. this year is just kind of come in and, and score the ball when you're in there, give us a focal point for that second unit. All right. And speaking of Philadelphia, Nick nurse wants Joel Embiid to play more games. Um, was this, like, did you, you remember the the end of Thor, the first movie? The first Thor movie. Uh-huh. Um, the very end, when you think Loki has died, right? He has chosen to plunge Hans Gruber style into the cosmos, and, and supposedly he's gone, and Odin is crying, and all this stuff is happening. And then post-credits, there's oh, there's Loki 
controlling uh what was his name dr uh why is that escaping me eric selvig and eric selvig yeah he's <laughs> controlling him meeting with nick fury talking about the tesseract and all that kind of stuff leading into the avengers leading into the avengers yeah. was adam silver doing this with nick nurse <laughs> in this moment right because this is Maybe. this is the big thing now, right? Getting the stars to play more games. This is this whole new resting policy and all this kind of stuff. And then Nick Nurse comes out and says, "Oh yeah, we want Joel Embiid to play more games." I feel like Adam Silver is just whispering in his ear, telling him what to say here. We'll have to catch and see if there's any video and see if his his like they went to that the like almost like what like like the black marbles in the eyes, right? That's right. That was almost <laughs> what it looked like when, when Loki was kind of in charge. So so we'll have to see if Nick Nurse's eyes. Yeah, you know, what, what would it be like the little Jerry West logo in them? Like uh, that's absolute <laughs> power here. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I kind of get it. Right now on the flip side, Embiid played the last two games, sixty six games last year, sixty eight games the year before. I don't know that I want to push him much past that. Right. It's not you like know, 70, 40 games. 72 games. That's probably about right. Right. If you said, yeah, Joel Embiid's going to take a couple games a month off. Okay. That's fine. You'll miss 10, 12 games. I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, in, in the regular season. And I know people are going to get all up in arms because this is the whole idea is that these guys should play more and all this stuff. But, you know, I want Joel Embiid at his absolute best in April, May, and June. Well, April, May for the Sixers because they they've never sniffed June in this iteration. But that's where I want him playing at his best because that's when I'm trying to win. Yo, know, well, well, I'm I don't really care if I win 55, even 60 regular season games. It doesn't. That's not the market success for this team anymore. Mm -hmm. It's all about the playoffs and how far do you go? And you're only going as far as Joel Embiid takes you. Yeah, exactly. And that's again we talked about this a little bit yesterday, and we talked about the player resting policy. It's kind of contradictory because on one hand, we put winning a championship on a pedestal and that is the goal and that is the key prize and nothing else matters and and your career is forever going to have an asterisk by it and you're a star and you never win that championship. You're always going to be that guy, but he didn't win a championship. Um, and yet at the same time, we want players to focus on the regular season and play in all these games because, well, because TV ratings and because the NBA needs to keep the viewers watching and and gambling is becoming a bigger thing and all, all of these things get wrapped into it so it can be this delicate balancing act and i think you're right you know when i look at joel habib i don't look at 68 games and 66 games and think oh man he really needs to play 78 games on the season because i think that what that's going to lead to is an early flame out in the playoffs and that's that's not what you want so how many more games do you realistically want him to play on top of that he shoots almost 12 free throws a game last three seasons He's been at double digits in free throw attempts per game, right? 10.7, yeah. 11.8, 11.7. Now, I know I roll. He's floppy, right? All that kind of stuff. He exaggerates contact that isn't there and all that. He does still take a, a bit of a pounding. He does still get that physical punishment to mm -hmm. a degree. He does hit the floor a lot. That kind of stuff can certainly add up as well. So it's not like when we look and we see 34.6 minutes per game this last season, it's not like these are easy minutes either that he's playing he's bearing a very heavy burden he's being asked to do a lot there's a lot of physicality to what he's doing so again it all comes back to how many games do you ideally want him to play and i don't think it's that many more than what he put in last season or the season before yeah that's it yeah high, high 60s low 70s that's that's probably the ideal range now if we're cruising along and we're in you know the 
the end of March and Joel Embiid's feeling great. Did you know, and the Sixers are still fighting for position in the playoffs. Yeah, keep playing them then. I know no issue, yo, if he's hasn't missed time. Like, I'm not forcing him to miss time. But, yeah, if it's one of those games where you said he hits the deck seven or eight times in the game yeah. the night before and he got beat up and it's a back-to-back with travel the next night and all that stuff, I'm probably going to look at it and say, all right, this is a good spot to, to sit and rest. Just now with the new rules, don't do it on a national TV game right. and all that other stuff. But, yeah, I, I want – Again, I want Joel Embiid you know, ready to go at the end of the season. I don't really care all that much about Joel Embiid, you know, what he's going to be doing in you know, January, February, early March. Keith, you know, ultimately the new rules that they're coming that are coming into play, the solution is play less games. Right? Oh, but yeah. nobody but, but nobody wants that. Nobody well, they do want that, but nobody wants the consequences that come with it of less money, right? Correct. So, because that's, you know, you, okay, chop 10 games off the schedule. Great. Get rid of all the back-to-backs, create more rest opportunities. You get a better product overall. You get better quality basketball. Maybe there's more interest because each game matters a little bit more. There's some real positives that come with it, but ultimately that's 10 less games. That's 10 less, uh, you know, games of ad revenue. That's less gate revenue. That's, you know, between ticket sales as well as concessions, everything else, everything wrapped up into it. That's a lot of money that, that you're talking about. So, it's, you know, the NBA pushing the players to play more because the real solution, well, nobody really wants to go down that road. I do wonder, and I'm with you on that. That's exactly spot on with nobody wants to cut games because nobody wants to lose the money. I do wonder if we get to a point where we add enough of this other stuff, right? We had this cup, maybe mm-hmm. 10 years from now, there's something where, there's a mixed NBA and G league tournament where they play, you know, that, and that's a second in season thing that happens. And then they say, you know what, actually our regular season is only going to be 72 games Hmm. long and we'll cut games off, but we're still going to have these cup games and this other stuff. And they'll kind of tell them much like how European soccer teams do treat the cup games, how you want to treat them. If you want to treat it as, Oh, you know what? We're playing the, uh, you know, the, the South Bay Lakers tonight and where the, you know, the Denver Nuggets, I can play, I don't have to play Jokic tonight because we should be able to win without him, you know, in this game and kind of treat it that way. And that's how you can kind of carve out. I do wonder if that's where eventually we get to, but that's like, you know, a decade away or more if we even get there. I just Mm -hmm. think there is a potential that could be where this all goes. You know, there's a lot of people who say the best possible product would be they played like twice a week a weekend game, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. then everybody's pretty much off like Monday or Tuesday, and then you or probably take like Monday off, and then you play – everybody plays Tuesday or Wednesday, and then you, you know, take Thursday off, and then we're back into the weekend cycle again. And that's – you know, there's a lot of people who believe because then every game feels a little bigger. You can really hype you, up games and you can schedule around it too. Like in terms exactly. of just the, the rhythm, right? It's not yeah. it's not this week they play Tuesday, yeah. Thursday, Saturday, next week it's Sunday, you know, like yeah, exactly. It's every week. Yeah. I know my team plays Tuesdays and Saturdays or something, right? Yeah. And then you can schedule around that. Or yeah, or I know there's never gonna be a game on a Monday, right? Yeah. And, and that would eliminate in the early season the going against NFL Monday style. night football and stuff like that. So yeah. Uh, that's there's people who very much believe that who believe that would be the best way and that's again kind of the 
the European soccer model where a lot of them, most of their leagues are weekend centric, but then they have it depending on the level of the league and whatnot. They have midweek games at various points of the year where you know, it comes into play. So I, I don't know that we ever get there either, but I do think it is time to start having a little bit more creative suggestions. Last thing I'll say on this though, the number one fear from the league is if we cut it to 72, they'll still, then people only play 60. Like yep. that's just, yep. you know, that's their fear is, you know, and you're never going to cut it down to, because I've seen people say everybody should play everybody twice, you know, and you play a 58 game regular season mm-hmm. and everybody played everybody twice. And then, then you move, move on from there. That's never, it's never going to get cut that low. There would just be no. way too much. You, know, you cut a third of the season off or more really like almost three fifths, you know, that, that turns into, you know, a mess or I guess two fifths, but that becomes a big you know, mess there. Of, nobody's going to want to give up that much yeah. in the revenue side. So, you know, but interesting conversations to be had at least. Sure. For sure. All right. Um, let's, well, the obligatory at, at this point, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. At this-, this is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Point. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Oh, the dames of our lives. Now Damian Lillard says he and the Blazers, they don't want the same thing. And you were talking about this, Keith, that you know now some stuff is trickling out, maybe some stuff the players didn't say earlier on. We still have another topic on this um, with John Collins. But Damian Lillard saying that he and the Blazers don't want the same thing. And really, to me, it seemed like the it, this is what it appeared from the outside, and this is it seems like what Lillard is confirming that the Blazers not trading their pick this year was the straw that broke the camel's back when Lillard said, okay, look, if, if you're, if you're not trading your pick and you're, and you're selecting scoot, we're not on the same page. I'm moving on. Yeah. I, I believed at the time I said it a million times. I still believe it today. Anything outside of drafting Victor Wembenyama 
and getting the, you know, getting the first overall pick and drafting him, Damian Lillard was, you were going to have to trade that pick if you didn't want him to ask out. And, and they didn't do that. And, you know, it's, um, it's been really, I wrote about this for spot track and I did put him on one of my worst contracts of the year, uh, off season list. Um, the Jeremy Grant stuff, I think has been, it's been really unfair. Some of the stuff, and I know some of it's jokes, but some people like Dame saw one look at that. And was like, I'm out. <laughs> I don't think that's the case at all. Like, I don't think that was it. I think he made up his mind before that in Portland. Yeah. Maybe it was, Hey, we're still committed to winning, but to some extent we like Jeremy Grant. Doesn't matter if you're here or not. We like him and we want to have him. And then, you know, we, we, we move into this, but yeah, I mean, I don't know that he's even wrong anymore. Right. I think Portland is, we want to start over around some of these kids. And mm-hmm. if you want to be a part of that, cool. Like we're happy, but let's face it. We, we're not going to be very good. Right. We're probably not going to be a playoff contender for at least a couple of years. Unless, you know, scoot and Shaden sharp come in and set the world on fire right out of the gate. Like we're probably no. just not going to be very good. And for Lillard. Yeah. At this point in his career, I think he's thinking, and I gave you a decade plus like, we tried, we did our best. I'm ready to move on. And now what I hope is I don't want it to get any uglier than this. Yeah. Like let's not get into like, they promised they'd do this and that and kind of almost where like the hardened thing mm-hmm. is gone because I'm sure there's some of that that could come out too. So yeah, we'll, we'll see, but you know, yeah, two weeks from today, training camps open and we're still, you know, right now, Damian Lillard's expected to be with Portland and, uh, I think uh, Santa Barbara, maybe or somewhere that they're doing. I'm not sure where uh, they're going. Training camp. I know. I know they're going to uh, down down to California somewhere. But do you look at because we had Kelly Oubre Jr. and Christian Wood both just being in a holding pattern, waiting for Dame to get traded to Miami, Miami to give up like five guys in a big multi-team deal and have a bunch of opportunities available, and then Kelly Oubre and Christian Wood were going to join the Heat. The fact that they picked other teams to go to already was that just the ticking clock or do you look at that as potentially pessimism out there that a deal gets done period with between miami and portland yeah i i don't um my guess is they just were tired of waiting and it was you know because here's the reality is these guys hear and see all the same reports we hear and see and Mm -hmm. more Right. And if Kelly Oubre Jr. and his representatives were talking to whoever they were talking to, and it was like, yeah, we're not sure it is going to get done, then I just want to go. So, yeah, I, I think those, I would take it more pessimistic that a deal happens than optimistic that a deal happens, because I think we're in a spot where these guys are a little like, all right, we need to just kind of, you know, move, move on and do our own thing here. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I And I do still think ultimately he winds up in Miami. Just interesting that those were two guys that clearly seem to be in a holding pattern. And then suddenly they both wind up in other locations. Um, but who knows? Who two, In the next two weeks, Damian Lillard could be in Miami. Or maybe a mystery third team comes in. Wouldn't that be exciting? Yeah. I'm sure Portland would like that. <laughs> we keep hearing that, right? Mark Spears throughout. There's a, you know, Eastern Conference team, which is funny. A lot of people went into saying, um, you know, went, went into, uh, you know, is it Milwaukee? Like, is that their mm-hmm. play? Like, hey, Giannis, we went and got Dane. Right. Um, Giannis is pushing right now, but we, we drew and 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the thing. And they don't really have a ton of picks because they still owe picks from the uh, original Drew Holiday trade. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know, you know who that mystery team could be. Um, we know we heard Boston talked about it. I don't see a reasonable match there that's mm-hmm. anything better than what Miami can give them straight out from the Celtics because it can't be Jalen Brown. It's obviously not going to be Jason Tatum and nothing else on that roster would interest Portland enough, even if Boston was like, here's every pick and swap we can give you. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. What team What team across the whole NBA? Like, I know you're not a big big wrestling fan or, or anything, but what team around the because in the in wrestling you get like a surprise return sure. and the, that person's music hits from out of yeah. the blue and the crowd just pops right yep what team suddenly we get the the shams bomb the uh the woge bomb whatever it is and that team's music hits what would be the ideal holy blank reaction hmm i'm doing i'm looking through the teams uh, here um, and we've got uh, someone at the front door as the helpful robot tells us uh, <laughs> I do think I, I think it would be cool as hell if he went to San Antonio just because okay. I think that could lift it um, but for like the, the pure like oh my god he went there I, I, Milwaukee I Feel like, you know, because I don't want to get silly and be like the Warriors, because that would just be sure you know, not right, that right. doesn't even make sense. I'm trying to limit it to things that make sense. So yeah, Milwaukee, maybe like that that would be that'd be the one where we're like, holy crap, they did it and you know they, they could pull it off. Or what about you? What if and this is I this is extremely, extremely low likelihood of happening, obviously, and he doesn't fit the same timeline. But what if Sam Presti cashed in the money oh, in the yeah. bank? Cashed in the picks and said, let's bring Dame and let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, it would be fun. Man, it's funny. Chris Mannix actually mentioned that oh, on really? his show. Not wasn't like I don't know that he was reporting it, but was just like, I'd keep an eye. Like, okay, see, he has this whole, you know, pile of stuff, you know, that they could do. And they I mean they could give him young players and draft picks and everything else. A matching salary would be like, here's you know, 10 guys to get there because everybody mm-hmm. on that roster makes like $6 million that they would reasonably trade. But uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be kind of fun to to see that one for sure. And selfishly, I wanted to say Orlando just because it'd right. be fun to have them here every single day um, here in, in Orlando and watch it, watch them play. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, man, it's, I just can't believe we're, you know, two weeks out from training camp and this isn't done. Right. Like, that part is so crazy. Orlando swoops in and takes uh, and takes Dame from Miami, just like uh, the Nets took uh, took KD and Kyrie away from the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, for one of those things, interstate rivalry there. Little, um, little all right. stepping up a little bit. Yeah, that's maybe. that's right. That's right. Um, okay, let's finish off with this. Our guy, the guy who we we literally talked years worth of yes. trade rumors, finally gets traded. I thought the Jazz got a hell of a deal in, in the trade that they made to get John right. Collins. Obviously, he's got. You know, so, some money on the books there, but I still think he's a, he's a very talented player. He says his growth was stunted in Atlanta. Well, when you've been on the trade block for a few years, when your role is being minimized on the team, yeah, I would expect John Collins to feel maybe a little slighted by the Hawks. 
Yeah, in <laughs> I think about that too. If we were doing uh, silly gimmicks and sound effects and graphics and everything, John Collins, we would have had one for John Collins for you know forever, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we uh, he he was a big big part of the uh, early day, early part of the show. I would say I'm fully with him with this. When Atlanta kind of came to prominence about three seasons ago. John Collins was a big, big part of it, right? It was kind of yep. him and Trey Young were kind of the two, you know, guys kind of making it go, the inside-outside combo. Then as other guys started to grow their roles, John Collins went – he went from – this is his last force. And so, well, I'm going to go through it all because he's only been in the league six years. As a rookie, 7.4 field goal attempts per game. Standard, right? Mm-hmm. Rookies don't always get that many touches. Second year player took 13.6, so almost doubled, doubled it, went up to he became basically almost a 2010 guy. The next year, limited because he had the suspension, but jumped up 14.8 field goal attempts per game, 58% from the field, 40% from three, and he was a 21 and 10 guy. The next year starts to seed a little bit. Some other guys came in. The Hawks team started getting a little bit better, but still very good. 12.2 field goal attempts per game, 56% from the field, 40% from three, 17.6, 7.4 rebounds. Rebounds mostly dropped because now Clint Capella is in the fold. Mm-hmm. 2022, uh, so two seasons ago, 11.9. So now we're in a third, a second straight season. Field goals have gone down. 53% from the field, 36% from three, 16 and eight. Still not bad, right? Then we get into last season. 10 attempts per game, 51% from the field, 29% from three, and 13 points, six and a half rebounds. Something had to give as that team added talent. And what had it, what ended up giving was John Collins. He got relegated to, hey, unless it's a lob to you at the rim or a spot up three, you're just not going to get touches. There's no, we're not going to run actions for you. We're not going to run anything to get you kind of those mm-hmm. 15 footers. He had become really good at, or those plays where, you know, Hey, you could get it, take one dribble against a closeout and get into space and create something for yourself. Um, he just, those touches went completely away last year. I mean, DeJounte Murray, heavy on ball usage point guard, along with Trey Young, one of the heaviest usage guys in the entire league. There's just not enough touches to around. Add to that Bogdanovich and Hunter. And then Sadiq Bey joins the team. Capella is still a guy. You're going to get touches. And Yaka Kongu started getting more touches. He became a real afterthought. The other thing I'll say, too, where I think he's right is relegating him into this spot up role. His three point attempts went from roughly a third of his shot profile two years ago to um uh, to uh, I'm sorry a quarter of his shot profile to about th- a third of his shot profile. He he's a good three-point shooter, but he's a good three-point shooter when he's getting them in rhythm and he's been involved. He's not the kind of guy who's just yeah, he goes out there and just makes shots. Like that's not what he is. He's got to be involved, be in rhythm and then mm-hmm. get some of those uh jumpers to go down. So I think he's right that his growth was stunted. I don't know that his role is that much bigger in Utah. Just, you know, Laurie Markinen's there. He's going to get a lot of touches. Sure. Their guards are not the most pass-focused group of guards in the league. That's not to say they're bad, but uh, Clarkson, Sexton, and Horton Tucker, they're all offense first, score first kind of guys Shoot for first, the most yeah. part. So, you know, they, yeah, they're, they're going to look to get theirs. The fit with Walker Kessler is a little odd 
especially with marketing at the three. But I still believe in John Collins. I'm a big believer in his talent. I think he can really, really play. And I'm excited to see him get that opportunity to do a little bit more than kind of this, you know, really fourth, fifth option role they put him in in Atlanta, which I think he's far too good for. Well, and and I agree with that as well. Obviously, we're we're both on the same page when it comes to to John Collins. He is now the highest paid player on the yeah. on the Jazz. I mean, for I think season. <laughs> for for the season, yeah. yeah. But I, I do think that he is going to um, get opportunities in Utah that he wasn't getting in Atlanta. Maybe it's not a ton. It's not like he's going to be the featured guy. Um, and you're right. I think the guard situation is very much in flux there. Down the road, it may not be this year that the John Collins edition really pays off for Utah, but once that guard situation really starts to come into focus, I think they've got with Walker Kessler, with John Collins, um, they've got a, a good combo. It can be a little messy, but you've got Markinen as well. Obviously, you're going to have to pay next year, but you've got, I think, a good trio there in your front court. And then for the back court, what is Keontae George, right? What is What does he wind up being? What's the long-term Is Jordan Clarkson a guy that's going to be ultimately a six-man? What does that look like? Is Taylor Horton Tucker a fit? He's on an expiring deal now. As that comes into, into focus, the guard rotation here, maybe by not this coming season, but by next season, John Collins can settle into a role with the team where they find some more pass-heavy guys, where they can set him up a bit more. This season might be a little bit bumpy, but I still think this is a, uh, a worthwhile, I believe, gamble for the Utah Jazz that – I really think it may be enough since Utah was pretty good already last season to maybe push them into like the play-in race in the Western Conference. Wouldn't surprise me if they can stay healthy. Wouldn't surprise me either. I I, want to see where the rookies go with this team. You mentioned Keontae George, Taylor Hendricks, their their top pick. Yo, how does he factor in? It's a pretty stuffed front court. You know, we're going to see him, um, you know, get get a lot of time in there. What's that going to look like um, with him? So very, very curious to see what that looks like. So, yeah, it's a a good team. You know, it's going to be very – you know, interesting to watch that all kind of develop and come together over the course of this year. I think they may be one of those teams where if we look back on it, like, boy, they're better than a year ago, but it just doesn't show in the standings because of how good the rest of the Western Conference mm. is. Yep. Like that could be one where it's like they still didn't crack into the play-in tournament mix or never mind into the top six. Wouldn't shock me if they did. Uh, they're a sneaky, I would love to see them get game. Like I would – yeah, oh, whoa, what a, oh, wouldn't that oh be I like that one. Yeah, yeah. I hate it. I hate it because it's in the West, and my pick was in the West too. But man, that is a that is a good one. Yeah, that is put a him good back one. where he played in college, right at uh, at Weber State in Utah, and get get him back there. And it was funny. There's a quote that people keep. I think it was actually a tweet, or it might have been a reply on Instagram or something. But he was asked years ago. This That's was right. many years ago. If you weren't going to play um in Portland, where where would you want to play? And one of the places he said was Utah. Um, so that is, you know, kind of, kind of fun there too. So, you know, but I don't, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Danny Ainge. He's done, you know, crazier stuff for sure. He's not afraid to take that big swing mm-hmm. if he can, but I don't, I don't think that's where it's headed, but yeah, I mean, I, the jazz are going to be fun and it's at least going to be fun to watch them try to figure this out as the rest of the league goes super small. They're essentially going to start, you know, three bigs every single night. So mm-hmm. that's going to be, you know, interesting to kind of, you know, monitor and watch how it all, all develops and gain gross together. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Steve Kerr allergic to these Utah jazz, this Utah. <laughs> right? jazz. Um, they probably keep Those them up on matchups. Jazz <laughs> they are, Warriors, 
going to be, you know, yeah, ex- extreme opposites. They are. I, I need to actually sit down and put the real list together because it's in my head right now. But I have to imagine the Jazz are actually going to be not at the top, but up there in my my league pass rankings. Yeah, they they hit at a good time on the East Coast because yeah. they have a lot of those nine o'clock starts. So they're like good if 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 for some reason you don't want to stay up all the way till you know one in the morning watching the West Coast game, you can watch that one and still get to bed at a reasonable hour. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like you know I, them, the Nuggets, you know, and the Nuggets. I mean, they're just a blast to watch, just mm-hmm. Jokic and everything they do. But yeah, man, it's it's it, there's so many fun storylines this year. I can't wait to 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 keep getting into all of it and see what the next couple of weeks brings us. All right, Keith, another show in the books where we started things off before we started recording, saying we'll get a quick show in. This one won't be very long. And here we are hitting the 45-minute mark. <laughs> That's the way it goes with us when we start talking basketball, though. It's just how excited we are for the, the start of the regular season. But our, I keep saying regular season, but the the preseason, <laughs> which I'm fired up. I'm even fired up for media day. Let's go. Yeah. Let's get this thing started. Let's do it. Um, Everybody, thank you for joining us. Again, make sure you do subscribe to the channel and don't forget to follow us over on the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. doesn't matter. Follow the NBA front office show over there as well. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.